It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, he's one of the most fearless and fascinating thinkers on the planet. Provocative polemicist, best-selling author, world-leading scientist. Richard Dawkins, one-on-one. From London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to a special edition of Piers Morgan Uncensored. I'll go head-to-head tonight with one of the most influential intellectuals there is. He's one of the most controversial thinkers on the planet. Biologist, controversialist, world-famous atheist. Richard Dawkins inspired millions by popularising evolutionary biology. But his work on religion and morality has become a lightning rod for controversy. I despise uh, people who believe something without evidence and then go out and take action which damages other people. His 2006 blockbuster, The God Delusion, made him a global face of atheism. What's wrong with, in your opinion, with believing in a god, regardless of who the god is? I think it's false. Uh, I think that it's um, a matter of belief without evidence. While his combative style has created fervent admirers and ferocious enemies. To his fans, he's the whip-smart scientist who's waging war for facts over feelings. Science is interesting, and if you don't agree, you can To his critics, He's incendiary, out of touch, and deliberately offensive. Well, tonight, he's here and he's uncensored. And Richard Dawkins joins me now. Richard Dawkins, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to appear on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Pleasure. I assume you will be uncensored. Of course. You've never been censored, have you? No. <laughs> In fact, people have tried to censor you, and we're going to come to a bit of that later on. This cancel culture has even come to your door. What do you make of, of that? People these days not wanting to hear opinions they don't like. I think it's very sad. I think, especially in, uni- in universities, where I've spent all my life, universities are places where you should be free to speak your mind, listen, even to something that you don't like. And it's very tragic that universities seem to have bought into the idea that if you don't like what you, what you think you're going to hear from someone, you should shut them up and refuse to let them speak. Yeah, I mean, I find it completely baffling that at a place of education where the whole point is to test your own thought processes, and to deliberately be exposed to other thoughts. We're now in a place where a lot of students feel they just don't want to hear it. They only want to hear stuff that validates their own opinion. They use this word safe. They want to feel safe. And a university is the one place where you should not feel safe. Yes, Certainly not intellectually dangerous. safe. Yes, exactly. In terms of thinking. Yes. You know, I just think you want to be 
constantly challenged and provoked about what you believe and what you think. You ought to be physically safe, but, but yes. inter intellectually you should be challenged. I'm going to come more to this, because I think the whole cancel culture, woke kind of world we live in is, is a fascinatingly disturbing one, and you've got strong views on it. But I want to start, because you're known as one of the world's big thinkers, I want to start with some big theme stuff. And I guess there's no bigger theme than evolution itself. And I think I'd, I'd ask a question like this. What do we know now about where we've come from? And what don't we know? OK. We know once you've got um, a self-replicating entity, which nowadays is DNA, but it wasn't originally, once you've got life started, once natural selection, Darwinian natural selection has got going, then we pretty much understand the four billion year history of what's given rise to us and all other living creatures. We don't know how it started, and that's still a mystery, and it may always be a mystery, because it happened a very long time ago, and uh, we may never know exactly what did happen. We know the kind of thing it had to be. What kind of thing do you think it was? It was the origin of a self-replicating molecule, a molecule that makes copies of itself. DNA is such a molecule, but the original one was almost certainly not DNA, because DNA is a... it's been called a high-tech replicator. There had to be a precursor to DNA. Something, the laws of chemistry, gave rise to a, a molecule which had this unusual property of making copies of itself, which mutated, changed in mm. random ways. And that gave rise to competition between rival versions of it, and that gave rise to the whole panoply of life, eventually. OK, so I'm a Catholic, I was raised a Catholic, um, so I'm a religious person, which I know is anathema to you, and we'll come to that. But my arguments with atheists, historically, have always come down to one thing, and maybe you've got an answer which will persuade me of the folly of my ways, which is this. What was there at the start? We don't know. But I don't know and you don't know. But, can, but, can, but no human brain, unless you want to correct me, can actually comprehend nothingness, right? No. But it's, a, it's an, a fallacy to think that because I don't understand how it happened, therefore God did it. I mean, that's just weak. Well, no, I'm, I, OK, but I'm prepared to have an open mind about this. Yes. But somebody did. And I just have never met a human brain that can explain to me what happened before, say, you go for the Big Bang argument. Well, what was there before? What, what does nothing look like? Physicists are debating this. I'm not a physicist, but they're debating it. My point is that... They don't know, and I don't know, and you don't know, and it doesn't help to postulate a god that did it. But that you're certain it's not a god, and yet you admit you don't know. No, I'm, I'm certain that it doesn't help to postulate something very complicated at the outset, because what we've got is primeval simplicity, and from that stems everything. Mm. And what science does, it starts with simplicity, which is relatively easy to understand, and from that it develops into the whole of the universe and the whole of life. It doesn't help to start with complexity, and a creator has to be complex, whatever but else the, he is. The reason that I subscribe to the theory that there must be a more powerful being out there than anything the human race has created is because, like I say, a human brain can't comprehend nothingness or what may have come before nothingness. We can't. We're not able to extrapolate what that is, right? I mean, no scientist can explain... Nothingness, can they? 
Plausibly. Well, well, maybe they can't. You'd have to talk to a physicist. But even Could if... you explain it? No, quite not a physicist. But in no, any... you're a very smart guy and you're I'm... a very vehement atheist. No, I'm not. I'm not you're... that vehement. Well, you're um... pretty vehement. I mean, you, you just think all belief in all gods is ludicrous, right? I think that it doesn't help to introduce complexity at the outset. That's my... No, point. no, I, I get that, but... but... No, well, you, I don't think you do get it. Well, no, I do, because I... But you're asking me to consider that my own belief in a, a deity that may be above human thinking and understanding and brain power that was there universally, that my theory is scientifically flawed, whereas I would throw back at you, OK, but I need to be given an alternative. I need some scientist somewhere to explain to me, right, four, four billion years, all right, but then what was there before that? Well, scientists can't answer that, and, they, and what they say is things like it's like going to the... It's like going north of the North Pole. Mm. I'm sure... I gather you recently introduced Stephen Hawking. He probably said that to you. Yeah, um, he did, actually, yeah. I, um, but the, the point is this. Science can explain things starting with simplicity and working up to complexity. No, I get that, but where science can't explain something i.e. in the case I just gave you, is it not possible that you're all wrong on the atheist of side of the argument? We could, we could be all wrong, but what... And you what might if... get a shocking surprise one day well, when you're you no might. longer with us. You, you might. And you discover we were right all yeah. along. It's possible. <laughs> you can see it's possible. It's highly unlikely. Um, <laughs> there... You don't know, though, do you? No, of course I don't. Um, scientists take a pride in admitting when, what they don't know. Mm. And they don't know what happened before the Big Bang. They don't even admit that the, the word before means anything mm. with respect to the Big Bang. Physicists yes. will tell you. But it that, has to. I mean, it just... Well, it doesn't, because that's a naive statement. Um, physicists will say that, that you do not have to say there was a, a... Time began in the Big Bang, is what some physicists will say. Yeah, but to which I immediately respond with my basic human brain. Well, OK, if time began, when did it begin? Well, quite. And what was there before? Right. Which is a fairly obvious question. It is a very obvious question. It's too obvious. And physicists will tell you that you're being naive. Yeah, but they don't know why I'm being naive. Because they can't provide the any actual is, scientific evidence. As you've evidence. just said, the human brain is not capable of grasping Right, that's my things. point. Yes. So why is it not possible that there is a superior being, power, which many people believe in different it's ways. It's possible different, there are fairies at the bottom God. of the garden. I mean, all sorts of things are possible. <laughs> and you, you, you can't deny that. Well, except I've never seen fairies in the garden, have you? No, you've never seen God either. No, but you don't know for sure that either doesn't exist. No, I don't know that fairies don't exist. Fairies may well... There may be leprechauns, <laughs> for all I know. Do you accept... Have you got milder about this as you've got older? Yes. Have you got more accepting that there may be, you may be wrong? Less certain? Well, um... Yes, of course, a scientist may always be wrong, and that's a definitely a thing that a scientist has to say. But I'm not vehement. You're, you're provoking me to be vehement because you're taking that tone with me. But, well, you've but... been provoked before. Uh, yes. And you've been quite vehement in response. I, I'm actually not trying to provoke you. I'm genuinely curious. Yes. Because I don't have all the answers, but I'm always sceptical of people who think they do. I don't think you think you do. Absolutely not. But your admission that you don't have all the answers, to me, is quite interesting. Because it lends the possibility you might be wrong. Well, it's not interesting. I mean, no, no scientist has all, all the answers. Mm. Um, but, but the one thing you shouldn't say is that, that because I don't know, therefore God did it. That's, that's, that's a What do you think happens when you die? As Bertrand Russell said, I believe that when I die, I shall rot and nothing of my ego shall remain. That's it? Yes. The end. Nothing. There's nothing else. How could, it, how could it be otherwise? I mean, you, you have a brain, an evolved brain, mm. which works by nerve impulses, and when that decays, 
what could possibly be left. So you don't believe in, for example, a spirit or a soul? None of that is... That's all conditional entirely on a link to a, an actual cerebral... Yes, if, if by spirit or soul you mean something that outlasts the brain, mm. then I do not believe in it, no. Really? Well, how could I? Well, people have gone through weird sort of out-of-body, near-death experiences where they, they've been pronounced dead for a few minutes. They always talk about... Almost all of them talk about this weird... There's a tunnel, a tunnel of yeah. light at the end. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it could be, couldn't yes. it? Yes, well, read Susan Blackmore on that. <laughs> would you like to be pleasantly surprised or would you be appalled if you were wrong? Uh, well, I would be pleasantly surprised for a while. I don't think I'd like to live for all eternity, would you? It would get... I don't know, it depends what it's like. Well, mm. Fraternity was watching, you know, cricket at Lords all day and watching Arsenal win every weekend. Yes, give me that. Really? Well, if eternity is, is blissful and a wonderful experience, some, so some people believe... I think there is something actually rather frightening about eternity. And I'm, I'd be quite glad to be spending it under a general anaesthetic. <laughs> do, you, do you fear, given the finality of what you think death to be, do you fear it as you get older? I fear the process of dying, but when you're dead, you don't know anything. It's just like before you were born. I think it was Mark Twain said, I was, I was dead for billions of years before I was born and never suffered the smallest inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when you have loved ones who've died, for example... That's tragic. Yeah, but how, how do, as somebody who believes literally in the finality, the, the rotting of a body and that's it, it must be worse than for somebody like me where I genuinely believe there's something better to come. It, it's worse, so what? Not so what, just curious. And it must be for you awful each time, far yes. worse than it is for people who have a belief. Yes, it is. A lot of people take great comfort from their belief in God, that there is a different life out there. Yes, they do. So you don't have that sucker no, at all? No. So is it, is it incredibly painful? More, more for you, perhaps, than somebody no, I don't think who so. is a believer? Let me put it to you this way. If you really did believe it, wouldn't you say to the person on the deathbed, looking forward to seeing you in purgatory? A lot of, well, a lot of people say, looking forward to seeing you in another life, yeah. Yes. A lot of people say you, that. You don't really believe it, though. Actually, I, I do. Yeah, I do, actually. Because I find it... When I think about it in big picture, which is your great thing, I think, how likely is it that we just got put on this planet, Earth, as human beings, as a one-off kind of entity that existed here and then you die and that's it? And, we, and, and it only lasted four billion years and before that was absolutely nothing at all. How likely is that to have been the case? I don't think that's likely. My, my human brain, which is limited, does not think that is likely. I think it's very likely. I think really? It's exactly what happened, yes. We are a tiny, tiny dot in the universe. Right? Exactly. We so, are tiny. so you don't know what else is out there, really, other than what scientists have already established? No, I, I think it's highly likely that there are other beings out there which mm. are much cleverer than we are, mm. um, superhuman, not supernatural, but superhuman, and I would love to meet them. I probably couldn't understand what they said. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. I want to come back and I want to talk to you about well, where, where we are in the world right now, which I think we can reach points of agreement here about the cancel culture, wokery, and what it's doing to us as human beings. We'll about Richard Dawkins after the break. Back with Richard Dawkins. So, Richard, uh, recently, members of the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology Language Project, funded by scientists in the US and Canada, produced a list of 24 harmful terms 
These included male, female, man, woman, mother and father. They recommended using phrases like sperm producing, egg producing, XYXX individual. And they should be used to avoid reinforcing societally imposed ideas of a sex binary. To which your response was, the only possible response is contemptuous ridicule. Yes. Which I cheered, I have to say, because it was complete madness. How have we come to this? English is my native language, is your native language, and um, I propose to use it in the way that I have always used it, and I'm not going to be censored by... Have you looked at those people? I mean, they, they look like teenagers. Well, it's just... What's extraordinary to me is they, they want to... what they call de-gender and neutralise language, but they're doing it from a completely false pretext that you can somehow pretend biology doesn't exist particularly when it comes to someone's sex. I mean, it's incontrovertible. There's no scientific doubt about this. And yet a small group of people have been quite successful, actually, in reshaping vast swathes of the way society talks and is allowed to talk. It's bullying. Uh, and we've seen the, the way um, J.K. Rowling has been bullied, Kathleen yeah. Stock has been bullied. Um, they've stood up to it. But, but um, it's very upsetting the way this tiny minority of people has managed to capture the discourse and to um, really talk arrant nonsense. What's the answer to it? Science. I mean, um, there are two sexes. Um, you can talk about gender if you wish, and that's a subjective... I'm not but when people say there are 100 genders, yeah, for example. Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in that. As, as a biologist, there are two sexes, mm. uh, and that's all there is to it. You had a humanist award stripped in 2021 because of your comments about this kind of thing. Uh, you had a tweet in April of that year. In 2015, you tweeted, Rachel Dolezal, a white chapter president in America, the NA, NAACP, was vilified for identifying as black. She was white. Some men choose to identify as women, some women choose to identify as men. You'll be vilified if you deny that they are literally are what they identify as. Discuss. And all hell broke loose and you had your award stripped because you were effectively doing what J.K. Rowling and others have said, you were just espousing a biological fact. I wasn't even doing that. I was asking, asking people to discuss. Discuss! Mm. That's what I've done all my life in universities. Right. Why have we lost that ability to actually have an open and frank debate? There are people for whom the word discuss doesn't mean discuss. It means you've taken a position, mm. um, which I hadn't. Um, but, anyway... Um, I thought it was a reasonable thing to discuss. This was, on, on the one hand... Uh, I actually wrote a couple of follow-up articles to, it, to this. Um, race is actually a much more fluid concept than, than sex. Um, for one thing, many people are of mixed race, mm. so they really can be, um, you know... Well, I had my DNA done, for example, yes. uh, properly tested. It came back, I had zero English DNA. Zero. I actually have 6% Middle Eastern. Yes. <laughs> for example. Yes. Right? So that was a shock to me. I had no idea. Yes. Um, a lot of Celt, a lot of Irish and Scottish and Welsh. Yes. But no English whatsoever. Yes. Well, we're all mixed, and therefore it actually is a perfectly reasonable thing for somebody to, to identify as some particular race if they want to. But sex is not like that. Sex really is binary. Mm. And therefore um, it's, it's something... It's certainly worth discussing that odd anomaly which I pointed out in that tweet. I mean, we now have this situation where, in women's sport, for example, transgender athletes are 
destroying women's records uh, and beating women in women's sport, you know, yeah. we, by immeasurable distances. We, we don't disagree about this. There's no... No. Fear, we don't, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it seems to me complete madness, just yeah. scientific madness it that is. we're allowing this yeah. to happen. It is. One of the problems that scientists have, and we saw this in the COVID pandemic, is that scientists, by definition, they evolve positions according to changing facts. And we saw in the pandemic that originally the perceived scientific wisdom was that masks, for example, would be ineffective in preventing the spread of COVID. Then they changed their mind about that. We were told that the vaccines would stop passing on the virus, and it turned out that wasn't true. Uh, we were told, there's been a whole debate, as you know, about where the virus may have started. The belief was from a wet market. Maybe it was from this lab in Wuhan and so on. Those who are anti-science, they leap on these things and they say, well, there you go, there you go. Why should we believe or follow the science when they do such dramatic U-turns in a health crisis, for example? What do you well, say to that? Well, uh, it, it's true. I mean, science actually does change its mind because mm. when, I mean, I think it was John Maynard Keynes said, when the facts change, I change my mind. What mm. do you do, sir? Yes. Um, and so this, was, this all happened in such a hurry. It was all a great rush to, to produce advice and there wasn't time to take the normal, balanced look at the evidence. And so, naturally, um, they changed their mind. Mm. Um, and it's a virtue of science, actually, that, that they can change their mind. Scientists can change their mind. What is not a virtue is that social media allows large groups of people to whip each, up, uh, each other up into a sort of lava... Yes. ..of self-righteous certainty yes, about positions... ..which can actually, in a pandemic, for example, be deadly to people. I quite agree. I mean, if the wrong types of people who are most vulnerable to, say, a COVID virus, if they believe this stuff and don't, for example, get what was pretty extensively seen to be a pretty safe vaccine in most cases, it could kill them. Yes. What do you think about that new phenomenon in society, social media creating these kind of... It is interesting. It, it interests me a lot, actually, because there was a time when um, you could express your opinion by writing a letter to the newspaper, and yes. chances are it would be not accepted by the editor. Yes. Um, but that now, was it. That was the only way you could communicate. Now in, anybody can do it, and so and so it, it is actually um, possible for the sort of people who write graffiti on walls to reach the world mm. if if they, if they if they get the. Do you like social media? No, uh, I don't. On the whole, I use I use them, but I I don't I don't like them. Why? Because there's a there's a culture of nastiness. There's a culture of hostility. A culture of um, outright rudeness, which you and would... is that has that always been there? And we're just seeing it manifest itself now well, because of social media. I'm not or do sure. you think the very nature of social media? whips people up into be something that they're not normally? I, I think you wouldn't normally actually yell insults to somebody's face if you met them in the street. And that's, in effect, what's going on. Mm. Um, it's partly fostered by anonymity. Many people don't use their own name on social media, and mm. so they, they call themselves Tinky Winky or something, and, mm. and, and therefore they feel they can yell abuse at people without it rebounding on them. Is it more important than ever that leaders, particularly political leaders of countries, that they pride themselves on veracity of their public statements? And is it really dangerous 
when you have social media and this kind of tribal nature of the following, that if you have people who literally don't tell the truth but have huge positions of influence, that can be, for a society, very fractured and dangerous. Yes, I think so. And I, I think you're, you're perfectly right to focus on tribalism. It's, it's been actually demonstrated that many of us believe what our tribe, what's good for our tribe, whether yes. it's the left-wing tribe or the right-wing tribe, um, rather than looking at the evidence. And I think we need to train ourselves to get out of the tribal mindset and to look at the evidence as it is. I mean, we've seen it with Brexit, we've seen it with Donald Trump, we've seen it with COVID, we've seen it just recently in the UK with Gary Lineker and this huge row about him where his supporters, and I've been one of them, even though I don't agree with what he said, his supporters have said this is about free speech. Those on the right in the sort of conservative tribes have all immediately said it's all about free speech, he should be fired for what he said, and yet you know that they would all be saying the opposite if it suited their tribe. And we saw that with, say, Jeremy Clarkson, where all the people baying for Lineker's blood defended Clarkson against demands for him to be fired. And similarly, all those defending Gary Lineker, who's on the left and is considered a woke darling, they all wanted Clarkson fired. So I looked at these two stories and I thought, well, actually, I want them both to have the right to say what they want to say mm-hmm. and be judged accordingly, yeah. but they shouldn't lose their jobs for honestly held opinions. Yes. However crass and offensive they may be. I agree, yes. Do you think that's right? I do, yes. Um, I, I do. I think, I think that um, we too readily fall into the tribal mindset mm. of, of right versus left, uh, and I, I, I rather admire um, Christopher Hitchens, mm. late Christopher Hitchens, who was of the left and of the right as well, and you couldn't yeah. place him. And, and, and I was editor of the Daily Mirror when we opposed the Iraq war, for example. Yes. And we opposed it very aggressively for several years. But I employed Christopher Hitchens in that period because he supported the Iraq war, and that was a surprising position for many people who supported Christopher Hitchens. About, Why is he doing this? And actually, he argued his case with great verve and intellectual rigour, as you'd expect. I didn't agree with him, but he argued it well. I once said, if you're invited to debate against Christopher Hitchens, decline. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take another short break. Professor Stephen Hawking told me shortly before he died that the biggest threat to mankind was artificial intelligence learning how to self-design. I'll play you that clip after the break and get your reaction. Still more from Richard Dawkins. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Richard Dawkins is still with me. So, Richard, I had the great honour of doing one of the last interviews with Professor Stephen Hawking before he died up at his office in Cambridge. And 
I asked him what I think is a pretty important question. Let's take a look. Is artificial intelligence going to be the end of us? And if it's not, how do we best work with it? Ever since the start of the Industrial Revolution, there have been fears of mass unemployment. As machines replaced humans, there is a greater danger from artificial intelligence. If we allow it to become self-designing, for then it can improve itself rapidly, and we may lose control. What do you think of that? Well, uh, I think that un mass unemployment is one of the problems, but uh, I think that in a way, they might do a better job than we do. I mean, if, I could Robots. Imagine, yes, I could imagine in a thousand years' time, perhaps um, there'd be nothing but robots who would look back on a kind of dawn age when there were... But that means no humans. Yes. Why would you look forward to that? No, well, I suppose you don't care, because you won't be here. And I you wouldn't necessarily look forward to it. I think it's an interesting possibility that the future of humanity might lie in its artificial creations. Really? I'm not saying I will. It's the stuff that. of a horror film, isn't it? Yes. Um, it, I think it's interesting. Yeah, but isn't it? I don't really look forward to it. I mean, I, isn't I'd it like terrifying to... that that could happen? Yes, it is rather. Yes. You think it's a possibility? I think we've got a long way to go. I mean, he, he talked about um, self reproducing mm. ro robots, and that's a key. Um, I think it was either von Neumann or Morgenstern, I forget which who postulated this idea, I think it was a von, von Neumann, of a, a self-reproducing machine that mm. could actually evolve. Um, well, I think we probably are on the threshold of a major breakthrough in artificial intelligence. I'm not that impressed, by the way, with the one that everybody's talking about now called Chat. Well, the Chat GPT? Yeah. I had a, had a go on that. Mm. And superficially impressive, but then I happened to mention... Helen Spurway, who was mm. the wife of J.B.S. Haldane, the, mm. the great um, biologist. And it said, later, Helen Spurway married Richard Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Which she didn't, presumably. She did not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's inaccurate. Yes, uh, and many, many major factual errors of that sort. Yeah. Um, but very but it's early days. It reminds me a little bit of when... They used computers to play chess against the grandmasters, and the grandmasters sent the computer packing. But then the computer got better and better and better, and yes. now there's no human being who can beat the best computers that's, in chess. That's right. Yes. Or even come close. Yes. So you just you have to assume that this chat thing, AI chat, is going to get progressively better. Right? I think the problem is play, playing chess is one thing because it's a limited domain, mm. and there have been other um, AIs that have worked on coloured bricks on this table, you know, put the blue mm. one on top of the red one and then knock, knock it over. The, the, it can do that. But a versatile AI... Which a sim, what about about a sen, I mean, a sentient AI is really what I think Hawking well, was it's talking about. to know whether it really is sentient, but um, Turing proposed... A, the, the mathematician Alan mm. Turing proposed a, a, a test whether you could actually be fooled by it. And you probably will be fooled by yes. it. Yes. Um, I suppose I'm committed to the view that sentience must be... Since we, I know that we have it. Mm. I, I know that I have it. I presume you have it. Mm. Um, I think I'm committed to the view as a materialist that it must be, in principle, possible for a machine to be sentient. Um, and but I'm Hawking sure was of the view at the moment... Know. Robert, Hawking was of the view, once that happens, it's all over for the human race. Yes. I don't see that it's all over for the human race. Um, it could be. 
uh, especially if it was self-reproducing. You yourself compared Trump to Hitler. These comparisons. Oh, did I? I mean, I, mean yeah. I, I, would be, I would hesitate to compare anybody to Hitler. Well, I think you said, in a way, you said national pride has evil consequences. Prefer pride in humanity. German pride gave us Hitler. American pride gave us Trump. British pride gave us Brexit. If you must have pride, be proud that Homo sapiens could produce a Darwin, Shakespeare, Mandela, Einstein, Beethoven. Yeah. So I... the implication was that... Pride leads into well, dark okay, places. But that's different from that. I agree with that. I, I stand by that. But I don't stand by comparing Trump to Hitler. I mean, they're both liars. But, Is it always but, a mistake to evoke Hitler and the Nazis? And that's literally you're talking about people who've it very, killed very, millions it, of people. It, 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 pretty, pretty nearly, yes. I mean, it, it, Hitler was such an outlier that, that, that um, I, I would hesitate to compare anybody to him in, in a full sense. I mean, you can compare him in one sense, like. Mm. Trump and Hitler are both mega liars. That's mm. true enough. Um, but I, I wouldn't go much further. What are the other dangers, do you think, facing mankind? Oh, well, um, nationalism, um, national pride. Um, of, of the kind that we saw with the Nazis, where they literally want to take over the world. Yes, and, and um, in a smaller way, we're seeing it with Putin. Mm. Um, obviously... Um, climate change is one we have to worry about. Mm. Um, artificial intelligence is perhaps not another one. Um, you yes. said before that Islam or fundamentalist Islam is one of the great threats. I think I think fundamentalist faith, where you believe absolutely that you're right without any evidence, is a, is a major danger because that licenses you to, to do anything. If you really, really sincerely believe that you're, you've got right on your side because God told you, then really I can sort of understand how the Inquisition mind worked and mm. how the modern Islamist mind But you're being works. accused of being an Islamophobe, are you? Or would you be taking the same view of the Christians back in the 16th century? Of course I would. I, I, well, I'm not an Islamophobe. What I am a, what I'm a phobic about is um, clitoridectomy of throwing gay people off buildings, mm. um, banning dancing and music and f having fun generally. I'm, I'm phobic about all those sorts of things, mm. but that's different from being Islamophobe. M Muslims are the biggest victim of Islamism. Yes, they are. There's been a big debate about this ISIS bride, Shamima Begum, whether she should be allowed to come back to this country. Do you have a view about that? I'd rather not say. You'd rather not say? I haven't studied it enough. Well, she was married to an ISIS fighter. I, yeah, I, I know. She was a young... But she was 15 yeah. when she went out there. The, yes. the, the debate, really, is was she groomed to be part of this terror group yes. in Syria? And as such, should we show mercy and allow her back to this country? Yes, I'm not, I'm not going to say about that. Are you worried about... I mean, do you get threats because of the positions you've taken on some of these things? Yeah. When you saw what happened to Salman Rushdie? Yeah. Didn't send a shudder through? Yeah. Are you saying, no, you don't want to talk about it? Or Yes. Right. I mean, that's interesting in itself. Because it there are areas which you would prefer not to discuss. Yes. I should have said that before we started. Yeah. No, but listen, I, I'm, I think it's sad that you can't. I don't think anything should be off-limits in interviews with people like you. Mm. The whole point of the world's smartest thinkers is we ought to be able to have free and open debate. But I don't think we do, because people use murderous retribution against mm. Free speech really is what it amounts to, right? Well, I'm passionately in favour of free speech. Should there ever be limits to free speech? Yes, I, I mean, incitement to violence. 
that's the, that's the normal answer, and I think it's a good. It's a good but answer. outside of that, people outside should that. be free to. I think so. Yes. Have you noticed at Oxford a change in the mentality of the way they operate? I don't think really at Oxford. No, um, I hope not. I don't think so. Mm. Who's the smartest thinker you've met in your life? Oh gosh! Um, Have you ever had a moment you sat there and go, "My God, this guy is or this woman is"? Oh, many, many times. Yes. Um, if you, you forced me to mention someone, I would say Peter Medawa, um, Nobel Prize-winning medical scientist. Um, and what was it about his mind that you found so oh, beguiling? He, he well, he, he was a brilliant scientist, but also a, a, a wonderful wit, a wonderful writer, a wonderful, mm. um, immensely knowledgeable, um, hugely re well-read. Mm. What do you hope to achieve? You're 82 now. You're showing no sign of slowing down. You have a new book, Flights of Fancy, Defying Gravity by Design and Evolution, all about flying. Um, you've written 17 books, I think, you told me in one of the breaks. There was a lot. Do you hope to keep writing books, discussing yes, things? Yes, I, I do. Do you have any great unfulfilled ambition? Well, I'm writing a book at the moment. Um, What's it about? It's called The Genetic Book of the Dead. And it's... Uh, you want to know what it's about? Yes. <laughs> OK. Um, well, if you, if you look at a camouflaged animal, like a, a lizard in, a, in the desert, it's mm. got its in, environment painted on its back. It's got stones and sand and things. Actually, it's the ancestral environment that's painted on its back because it's natural selection of its ancestors that did that. Mm. And my point is that that is not just skin deep. Um, the whole of the animal, every single little tiny detail of the animal in, in its interior of every cell will be as precisely a record of ancestral environment as the skin is. Mm. So the animal is a description of the worlds in which its ancestors lived. Fascinating. I want to come back and ask you one simple question. What is the question that you, Richard Dawkins, would like to have answered before you die? I... Answer up. Hold your, hold your answer okay. after the break. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. I left Richard talking on a cliffhanger, which is... Right, what is the question you would most like to get answered? I think it is, uh, is there extraterrestrial intelligence? I think I would like to be visited by... Well, I will never be visited by actual bodies, I think, but visited by radio waves um, from another star system. Do you believe it exists? Yes. Uh, I'm not totally confident, but, but I, I, if, if I... Well... Carl Sagan once said he didn't know, and so he was pressed to say, well, what's your gut feeling? And he said, well, I try not to think with my gut. <laughs> um, but, I, yes, I, I, I think, statistically, the odds must be that, that, that there is. It might be quite rare, mm. let's say, maybe only a billion instances in the universe, and that's very rare indeed because the, the number of possible planets is something like 10 to the 22. Mm. Um, so a billion would, would be very rare, so rare we might never... Encounter it. But, uh, what else would you love to know? Origin of life, mm. um, the origin of the universe, consciousness. Um, if I were a physicist, I'd want to know um, how to unify quantum theory and gravity. But I'm not a physicist, so mm. don't ask me about it. When you saw Professor Stephen Hawking with, with the, his black hole discovery and so on, are you, are you slightly envious when you see them pull off things like that? 
I suppose so, yes. I mean, there's a thing called physics envy. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I sympathise with that. Um, yes, I, I, but I, I, I don't have the, the intellect for that. I don't have the mathematics to do, to do that. Um, See, what's interesting to me, having spent some time with you, never met you before, you don't seem that, like, provocative or... Bingo, you got it. I'm not. Right. Where has this reputation come from? I don't know, but I see some of the clips from earlier yeah. of you in your more firebrand now, years, I get, perhaps. I get provoked and people, right. people goad me like a, like a, a bullfighter with yes. a red rag. But, but I'm, I'm, you don't actually come over that way. No, I'm a, I'm a very mild... Do you feel you get a bad rap? Yes. But what's the real Richard Dawkins like, then? Well, um, I, I hope I'm polite and, and um, interested and interesting and, and I like to talk to people and hear what they have to say. Are you just incurably logical? Are you basically yes. like a human sp Spock from Star Trek? I wouldn't like to say that. No, I'm, I'm quite emotional as well. I mean, I, I love poetry and music. Um, and Are you a romantic person? I suppose I am, yes. Can I'm you not... be logical and romantic? Spock yes, I... always found that really difficult. I think so, yes. I think you so. can? Because isn't, yes. isn't it illogical romance, really, in sort love? Of, yes, it is. Um, uh, but uh, I, I can be moved to tears by mu musical poetry. Do you have a, a political allegiance to a party? Well, I voted Lib Dem most of my life. Um, Some would say that's a weird religion. Well, I, I, I don't feel very strongly about it. I mean, no. I, I, I don't... Um, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a zealot. Does some of your sort of logical thinking... And this may be one of the reasons you get a sort of controversial rap. I was looking into what you've said, for example, there's outraged feminists over the years. And it's quite interesting, because you've said, for example, date rape is bad, stranger rape at knife point is worse, mild paedophilia is bad, violent paedophilia is worse. If you think that's an endorsement of mild paedophilia, go away and learn how to think. Pure logic. Right. I understand the logical thinking. Yes. But I also understand why a feminist would think, what the hell are you talking about? Rape is rape. It doesn't matter whether it's date rape or knife point rape. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so illogical because it, what, what it means is that... I mean, I, I had a friend who was actually raped in, in Africa. Mm. Three men pounced on her in a dark, in a dark alley and, and two of them held her down while, while, they, they, while they took turns to, to rape her. Um, now, that seems to me to be a different order of magnitude to um, a, a boyfriend who gets drunk and goes too far. And, and it seems to me that it's absolute nonsense to say that, that there's just rape is rape is rape. Of course there are. It's like saying a pickpocket who steals a quid from your pocket is like a bank robber who... who you know, there, there are clearly degrees of... Well, in a way, but I would counter and say, I can see your logical mind thinking that, but actually, if you steal a pound or a million pounds, you're a thief. If you kill someone... Uh, you're a murderer. It doesn't matter how you okay, kill them. Let's stick and if you're, if you're a rapist, you are a rapist. And I can understand why feminists would say, well, hang on, who are you to decide which is more invasive to a woman on a scale of violence, for I example? I actually went on... My, my, my next tweet was, uh, strange, stranger rape is, is, is bad, date, date rape is worse. If you think that's an endorsement of stranger rape, go, go away and, think, and learn how to think. The point was, go away and learn how to think. If you think that t talking about one thing being milder than the other is an endorsement mm. of, the, of the mild one, of course it's not. No, I don't think it's that, but it's more like you're drawing, a, you're drawing a kind of comparative scale for something where a woman would say, many women would say, 
that actually rape is rape. It doesn't actually matter how it manifests itself. I know, I know itself. they would. Let, let's, let's go back to the stealing a quid from, 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 from robbing a mm. bank. You're surely not saying that the, they should have the same jail sentence because theft is theft is theft. No, but they're all well, thieves. Why not? But they're, you... all, they're all thieves. Yes, but so what if they're all thieves? The, the well, you wouldn't get the same jail sentence for varying degrees of sexual assault. Good. That's all I'm saying. Right. But, but a woman might say that they can be equally as invasive and terrible for someone's life. I believe that, yes. That's possible? Yes, it's possible, yeah. Your logical mind would allow that thought process? Yes, and, and, and all I said was, if, if you think that's an endorsement of the mild one, go away and learn how to think. Mm. Have we lost the ability to think logically and, and critically about things? Well, some people may have. <laughs> Would you sense we have? That everyone's quick to pounce on these yes, kind of things and say, so. I'm outraged. I think so. But they haven't really okay. thought through let what me, they're outraged let, about. Let me take one of the other ones you, you mentioned, mild, mild paedophilia. Yeah. That, I, got, I got hell for that. Yeah. Um, I was the victim of mild paedophilia at school. I expect you were. Many, many people were. I wasn't, no. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, you were? Yes. Now, um, suppose I had said, this has ruined my life. It's a total catastrophe. Mm. Then somebody who really was raped by a priest, say, or by an uncle or, or, or something, mm. night after night after night, he would say, how dare you compare your 15 minutes of embarrassment to what I went through night after night after night. That's what I was saying. You get it? I get your argument. I'm not entirely sure I completely concur with it because I think what you're... Again, you're trying to do is... Individuals are individuals. They all react to things in different ways. I could imagine there'll be some people who've been through what you went through who would be scarred for life by it if they're a different type of personality. You, you clearly say no. you're not. OK. Um... I mean, many of say most of my friends at that school were really, and and and, and we just joked about it. Because you were at Amplethorpe, right? No, God no. Oh, that's I'm a sorry. Catholic school. Which one were you at? Well, that's not relevant because because that it, it it it's I don't I don't want to mention it. Right. Have you talked about this before? Well, I think so. Yes. Yeah. It's no secret, I and mean, it's 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 not a big deal. It's in it's in my autobiography. Not a big deal, but it, I mean, it's in we... it's in my autobiography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting because I can have really conversations like this with people all day long and I wouldn't be outraged by stuff I hear. I'd want to argue and challenge and get to the bottom of what you're really thinking. But we don't live in that kind of world anymore. People live in soundbite alley. Yeah, they do. They just want to pick out a line and then be incensed by it. Yes. And we've also got a culture of just general victimhood, I think, in society. People want to be a victim. They want to play a victim. They want to play that victimhood card yes. because they think it's something that now gets celebrated and can be rewarding, actually, for some people. I think that's true. That's different to how society used to be. I think that's true, yes. Is it, are we going the wrong way? Well, if you're right, yes. Do you think I'm right? I think you probably are. No. You know who Dr Spock is, right? Uh, yes, I do. He was Mr Logical. Yeah, I know, yes, I know. Do you not think you're the human manifestation of him? No. What, what's the one thing you'd like to achieve now, rest, in the rest of your life? Well, um, I think I'd like to be um, known for science and for helping people to understand science, for, for understanding science myself, and not known for being vehement and an atheist, which is an, 
only two of my books. <laughs> you finally, you've got a chance to write your own headstone. Here lies Richard Dawkins. He... Um, I think I'd maybe copy Jacques Monod, the great biologist. I, he said, je cherche à comprendre. I, I, I seek to understand. Well, I sought to understand, and I think I understand you a lot better after meeting you. Richard Dawkins, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Enjoyed it very much. That's it from me, whatever you're up to. Keep it uncensored and like Richard Dawkins. Keep asking questions. That's it. Good night. Winning 59 Grand Slams and smashing every barrier in her way. Now she's facing the battle of her life. Have you ever been through anything like this? No. It's the toughest thing you've had to do. It's definitely yeah. the toughest thing I've ever done. Who has two cancers at the same right. time? I was never an underachiever, but this is getting ridiculous. Martina Navratilova opens up on her devastating double cancer diagnosis. Giving up, giving in, stopping, that's just not an option for me. So, uh, yeah, you get on with it. I think growing up in a communist country, you're tough. You have to be. And you're kind of stoic because you can't feel sorry for yourself because you would just be crying all the time because you don't have any freedom. So, um, you know, I, I grabbed that chance when I got it and I was never going to look back. So no regrets. The only regret I have is that I had to do it. That I really... Quitting is just not in my DNA. A world exclusive only on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.